Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series called Instimacy, and it's all about finding true friends in an Instagram culture. So we're mashing up the words intimacy and Instagram. And if you remember last week, intimacy means emotional closeness. So this series is all about building true intimacy in our friendships, to truly know people, not just to know about people. And I really considered pausing this series and doing something different for the next few weeks, but I realized that this is probably the time when we need friendship the most. Last week, CT talked about being a good friend. This is a time when you need to be a good friend, where you can care about the people in your life, where you can meet their physical needs, but also their emotional needs. In a time like this, where many of you will be teleworking, when you're going to be taking time off to care for your kids, when you're not going to be in school, when you can't be in church or at sporting events or simply just hang out the way that you're used to, you will see who your friends are and who are just your followers on Facebook. So we're going to continue in this series while we're away because now is the time that we need to be a good friend and lean into our real friendships. So let me give you the main Bible verse for today up front. Solomon wrote this in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 13 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. There are many different ways to say this. Andy Stanley says, your friends will always determine the direction and quality of your life. There's a Spanish proverb that says, tell me your friends and I will tell you who you are. My favorite way to say this comes from Craig Rochelle. He says, show me your friends and I will show you your future. And you don't have to look very far in your own history to realize that this is true, right? You've never surfed before, but you went to college and hung out with a bunch of surfers, so you took up surfing for a while. You aren't really a healthy eater, but while you hang out with some of your friends who eat healthy, you started eating salad. Or you hung out with a group of friends who love to listen to that one band, and now that you don't hang out with them anymore, you hear that band on the radio, and you immediately regret the pop-punk phase of your life. I mean, seriously, I spent years of my life listening to Yellow Card and Story of the Year, Hawthorne Heights, Sum 41, and Good Charlotte. And I can keep going, but you understand what I'm saying. Also, I totally still listen to those bands, so don't judge me. But there are things in your life that you did because of the people around you. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Teenagers. This is why your parents are so paranoid about who you hang out with. They know if my kid hangs out with the wrong crowd, they will get in trouble. So teenagers, let me let you in on a little secret. If your parents are really paranoid about who you hang out with, it's because they hung out with some really stupid people growing up and did some really stupid things that they don't want you to know about. And teenagers, let me add, this is why your parents check and monitor what you do online and on your phone and on social media. Because they know whether you want it to be true or not, it will influence you. So they check all of that stuff because they love you. Because they know, show me your friends and I will show you your future. A few years ago, I was reading a Craig Rochelle book where he wrote that sociologists have determined that there are different types of poverty. 
I actually hadn't heard this before, uh, but there's material poverty. And this is the one that we know. This is when you're lacking clothing or food, like the basic essentials, the needs that people have. There's spiritual poverty. That is the void in your soul that only God can fill. And you can try to fill it with all kinds of different things, whether that's money or relationships or trips. Sometimes we try to fill it with alcohol and drugs and sex. But either way, it will leave you empty because only God can fill that void. But then there's relational poverty. And this is the pro- probably the most overlooked. We can have people all around us. We can be connected on social media, yet inwardly be longing for more intimacy because we are more connected than ever, but we are more alone than ever. And we get this feeling that there must be something more that I'm missing out on. In fact, if you've ever been on a mission trip to a third world country, you've experienced this. You might just not know it. Since we started Collective, we've sent two teams down to Haiti to work with a church plant that we helped start. And Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And every time we bring a team down, this always happens. On days one or two, you'll be overwhelmed at the material poverty, right? You'll think, how do they get by without electricity? What do they do without indoor plumbing? I don't understand how they live this way. Then on days three or four, you'll be kind of quiet and and uneasy in your spirit because you're realizing that these people are getting along just fine and you're not sure why. And then on days five or six, you're gonna realize that I'm actually kind of jealous of these people because they have nothing, but they have real joy in their relationship with Jesus. And you'll realize that because they have nothing, they're forced to depend on their community, their friends, and their family. And the truth is that's, that's something that we don't do because they do not lack relational poverty. Then you'll come back to the U.S. where you have all these things, you have all the trappings of wealth, and you will think that there's something wrong with the job you have or the way that you live, or even that there's something wrong with the way that we do church. But the truth is, that isn't what it is. It's just that you are poor when it comes to relational poverty. See, we realize something is missing. And I would argue that it isn't something that's missing but someone that's missing. Because even though there are people all around us, we're alone. In 2016, Selena Gomez was the most followed person on Instagram. Today, she's number five or number six. She has 168 million followers. Selena Gomez has it all when it comes to the cultural perception of what we want. Right? She's got fame, she's got wealth, she's got success, she's got Instagram followers, she's got it all. But in August of 2016, Selena Gomez was on tour and she stopped it midway through and canceled the rest of her dates because she was having an emotional breakdown. She went and checked herself in to residential therapy. And a few months after she checked herself in, she opened up about what she did while she was there. And this is what she said. I got rid of my phone and I did not touch it for 90 days. And all I focused on was the six girls in my circle. See, we just know that freedom is not found in followers. Freedom is found in relationships where you can know and be known. So what I believe is that you may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny because show me your friends and I will show you your future. Walk with the wise and you will be wise. Associate with fools and you will get in trouble. So I want to teach you today how to choose friends wisely. This is something that I was taught a few years ago, and I'm excited to share it with you because it made such an impact on me. And I'm going to demonstrate this in Jesus's life and what he did. 
There's gonna be a lot of scripture from the Bible at the bottom of the screen today, so make sure that you're taking notes. The first thing I wanna show you is that Jesus had crowds with him all the time. Mark 3 says, Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples and a large crowd followed him. Mark 5, a crowd, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. Mark 8, about this time, another large crowd had gathered. In just the biography of Jesus written by Mark, it mentions a crowd having been gathered around Jesus 45 times. Crowds were always there. But he also had a group called his disciples. A disciple means apprentice, and Jesus' disciples were the people who were following him. They wanted to be like him. They wanted to learn from him. They weren't just a crowd. They were his community. These were his disciples. But look at what happened in Luke 6. One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. Now think about this. This is absolutely bizarre if you picture this. Jesus goes high school dodgeball on these people, right? He takes this whole crowd and he calls his disciples to him and he says, like, I'm gonna narrow this down to 12. So he goes to the crowd and he's like, you, 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 you're cool, not you. You're still here, you. Where's Mark? No, the other Mark, definitely you. And he chooses 12 people to be his core group of guys. But then it gets even weirder. He gets even more select sometimes. Two chapters later, a girl dies and Jesus arrives at the scene. In Mark 5, it says this, then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. So Jesus goes to heal this girl by raising her from the dead, but nine of the 12 didn't even get to see it. Mark 9, just six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up onto the high mountain to be alone. The nine get left at the bottom of the mountain and don't even get to experience this amazing thing that the other three do. Over and over again, you see Jesus with the 12 that he's pouring into, but over and over again, you see him take just three of those guys, Peter, James, and John, to experience something more. This is his crew. And look what happens at the end of Jesus's life, Mark 14. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. So he said that to the 12. But then he took Peter, James, and John with him and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He's about to get arrested and executed. He needs to pray. And so he says to the nine, you stay here. I just need my crew of three to come with me right now. So what's going on? There are two possibilities. It could be that Jesus is just a complete jerk, right? Like he's acting like he's too good for the people around him. He's forming his own little clique of Peter, James, and John. That's totally a possibility. Or it could be that Jesus knows something about the nature of relationships that we in this Instagram culture desperately need to learn and live out. So what I wanna do is I wanna sketch this out for you for what we just read. And if you're taking notes, you should be writing this down or grab a screenshot because this is really important. And so what we just read, there's Jesus. And like I said, Jesus always had a crowd around him, watching him, seeing what he's doing. And then he has his community 
which the truth is it's actually a pretty large group still, but these are people that have a little bit more in common than just the regular people in the crowd. And then as we read inside of that, he's got his core, right? He takes this, this community right here. These are the disciples and he pairs that down even more. And then we realize even inside of that, Jesus has this crew. He's got his three people of Peter, James, and John. So here's what I want you to see. Jesus is very intentional about his relationships. He's very intentional about his relationships. Jesus loved everyone. That doesn't mean that everyone got access to him. Jesus came to serve everyone. That doesn't mean he could serve everybody one-on-one. Jesus came to change the world, but he did that by pouring into a few. Now, there are a lot of leadership lessons here about pouring into people who pour into others. There's a lot of spiritual lessons but I wanna try to make this very practical when it comes to your friendships. Because I believe that you need each one of these circles. The truth is you already have a crowd. In fact, there are several crowds that you're a part of. This is kind of the city that you live in or the neighborhood you live in. These are the fans of the same sports team that you follow. These are the people who are watching The Bachelor with you and tweeting about Barb last week. You don't know them personally, but they're there. We all have crowds, but we need these other three circles. You need a community to be a part of. For us, this is church on Sunday. This is why it's so hard for us to be a part. There are about 150 to 200 people at each of our typical services at Collective. You don't know everybody there, but we're all there for the same reason, to worship to grow in our faith, to to serve and be a part of our community. You need a core group of people. Uh, For us at our church, this would be the team that you serve on, the the weekly small group that are a part of. This is a circle, and you're close to these people, right? You eat together, you serve together, you care about each other, but you also need a crew. This is your inner circle. These are the people that you depend on when things are tough the people who you're real with and vulnerable with. These, these are your ride or die people. So you need a community that you worship with weekly. You need a core group of people that you meet with and spend time with regularly. And you need a crew of people who know you intimately. Anthropologist Robin Dunbar says that your brain is only capable of maintaining 150 friendships at a time. Some of you who have thousands of friends on Facebook To be honest, it's just a lie because you don't even know what's going on in their lives because your brain is only capable of having the capacity for 150 friendships. So it's essential that we recognize the people in our life, the people that we spend time with, what circle they're in. Why? Because show me your friends and I will show you your future. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. So let me point out a couple things when it comes to this. First, Jesus has to be at the center. See, you must have people in your life who follow Jesus with you, but no one can follow Jesus for you. There's only one person that connects you with God, and it's not your pastor. It's not a saint. It's not your grandmother. It's not nature. It's not a best friend. It's Jesus. 
The only one who makes you right with God is the son of God. He's the only one who died for you and then rose from the grave. The second thing that I wanna point out here is that you need a crew, an inner circle. You need a Peter, James, and John. You need people that you can trust when you aren't doing well. So for me personally, I just wanna share some personal stuff with you for a second. My job is unbelievably stressful. And I know yours is too. This isn't a competition over whose job is more stressful. I know yours is, but I'm just trying to be real with you right now. My job is unbelievably stressful. Leading a growing church has a big burden. Leading a growing church through the coronavirus is on another level. Almost every Sunday when I wake up, I feel nauseated because I know the prayer requests. I know the pain in our church. I know how people need hope. I know why the guests are coming. I know hundreds of people are going to show up needing to hear from God. And I feel the burden to communicate grace and truth to Jesus as clearly as possible. In fact, a couple of times a month, I have nightmares about preaching or something else related to collective. And they often feel so real. When I wake up, it takes me a few minutes to figure out, is it a real situation or one that my brain's just made up? Here's my most recent nightmare. And you can psychoanalyze me if you want. My counselor is already doing that. But a few months ago, I had a dream that I woke up late for church on Sunday. And I got dressed. I rushed over to West Frederick Middle School. And when I got there, no one was there. Like, no one. Not my staff, not the team, not a single guest. So I grabbed my phone to make sure it was a Sunday, and it was. So I began calling people desperately trying to find an answer, but no one would answer. And finally, after a few phone calls, someone picked up and said that they chose to move to a new location and they weren't going to tell me where it was. And then I woke up and it was Tuesday. But I carry a lot of burdens for this church. Right now, I'm carrying the burden of navigating how do we do church while in a state of emergency. I'm carrying the burden of us raising the funds, finding the right place and helping Collective get into a permanent facility. I carry the burden of wanting our staff families to be healthy because I know if their families are healthy, that will impact the rest of this church. In my job, you are never not on the clock. I try to take a day off every single week where I don't initiate things or respond to emails, but if there's an emergency, I do everything I can to help. And I believe that this is the most important mission in the world. All of that to say is that the role of a lead pastor carries a huge burden. So I personally have to do things to be healthy. I have to make sleep a priority. I try to read something every single day, a book, some way to grow me, some way to push me. I pour into my marriage and my family. But one of the reasons why I am healthy, and I'm convinced that this is the reason why a lot of pastors get burned out and quit. One of the things I couldn't do this job without is my core group of friends, right? The truth is I have this. See, I have this group of 12 that involves leaders in this church and a few other select men. And we spend time together, our families get together. These are people that I communicate with regularly. I love seeing them. But I also have an inner circle. And every month we get together to grab a beer and catch up. We talk regularly about some stuff that's dumb. Mostly it's just gifts and memes being sent back and forth. But a lot of times it's serious. And we know that when the three of us are together, everything is on the table, but nothing leaves the table. We can vent, we can make fun of each other, we can talk about work and family and marriage and sports, everything. These are the guys in my life that have my back. Now, here's the deal. I've actually gotten a lot of crap about this since I started Collective. 
And people have told me that it's a click. People have teased me and asked like how they get an invite. And for the last year, it's impacted how much we've gotten together. But to be honest, as I was writing this sermon, I realized that the people who don't get it don't have these people in their life the way that I do. And so I sat down with the guys last month and we started to make it a priority again. Because when I am with them, I get to be me. I am accepted for who I am and not what I do. And listen, this is what I want for you. Because here's what I know. It's not just pastors who need this. It's moms, it's high schoolers, it's programmers, it's government workers, it's teachers and counselors and people who work in the customer service industry. See, I want you to have a crew in your life that when life gets hard, you know that you have people that you can have fun with. You have people that you can be real with, be vulnerable with, be honest with. You know that these are the type of people where you can have bad days and they don't hold it against you, but instead they lift you up. So if you're tracking with me, what you're thinking is, okay, that sounds great, How do I get a crew like that? Well, like much of following Jesus, I believe it's simple, but not easy. So the first thing you have to do is something that CT talked about last week is you need to initiate, right? You cannot wait for this to come to you. You have to initiate. You have to take the first step. You have to take the lead. When I think about the two guys that I hang out with, it started with one of them asking us all to hang out and then asking us to get together on a regular basis, And trust me when I say I did not want to hang out with anyone on a regular basis. But when Buffalo Wings started to be involved, I began to change my mind a little bit. And after a few months, we began to realize that we could be honest and real with each other. So we kept it going. So you initiate. But once you do that, you look for two things. So I'm going to give you a formula. I want you to write this down, take a screenshot. It will be on the screen as well. Are you ready? Uncommon plus unimpressed equals friendship. Uncommon plus unimpressed equals friendship. Uncommon is another word for honor. We did this whole series in May where we learned that to honor someone means to treat them as uncommon, right? I'm not gonna trust somebody with my emotions or my fears if they treat me as common. If you dishonor me, you can't have my heart. If you're cynical about me or this church or my family, we won't be close And that's just how it's going to be. I want people who will treat me as uncommon because that's how Jesus sees me. And if I surround my inner circle with people who see me in the same way that Jesus sees me, my life is going to be a whole lot better. Now, the other ingredient to this is that I need people in my inner circle who aren't impressed by me. who don't view me first as a pastor, but as a friend. They have to honor me, but they can't think I'm superhuman. I put my pants on one leg at a time. So you have to be friends with people who don't see you first as a PhD or the team lead or the star of the team or the manager, but just as a normal person with typical struggles. Because for me personally, if someone's gonna give me fluff, I can see through it. If they're not gonna be real, if they're gonna give me the answer they think that I want to hear, if if they're not gonna tell me how they really feel or what's really going on in their life, like I can see through that, I know that. But here's what we do. We so often want people that will be unimpressed by us that we sometimes settle for people who will treat us as common. Don't do that. Don't settle for people who will treat you as common for your inner circle. You want to have people in your life who see you as a child of God and someone who God loves so much that he sent his son to live a perfect life, to die for you. 
Find people who will treat you that way, who will treat you as uncommon. Sometimes I'll even say, or maybe you say to your friends who are dating men, if she's manipulative or ladies, if he's pressuring you, if they're taking you for granted or treating you poorly, drop them like a bad habit and never look back. But the truth is that applies to friendships as well, not just dating. If they treat you as common, they can't be in these circles. They can't be your core. They can't be your crew. So you initiate, and then you look for people who will treat you as uncommon, but are unimpressed by you. And listen, this is so important. And if you actually want this to work, they have to follow Jesus. And to be honest, I can't really give you a Bible verse that strictly says this. This is just from my own experience and watching people in relationships for the past 10 years. But for me, my inner circle, my crew has to follow Jesus. Because when I am down, when I am discouraged, when I need someone to pick me up, I need people who have an eternal perspective, who have a grace perspective, who can remind me, even though you are hurting, this is a blip on the radar in light of eternity. Remember, even though you are a bad dad this week, there's still grace because that is what I need the most, to be reminded of Jesus and who I am in him. So if they can't do that, it may make me forget about my problems for a moment, but it's not actually going to help my soul. So here's what I want you to do. I have homework for you. For those of you who are off work for the next two weeks or students, I'm sorry, but this is good homework, I promise. I have homework for you. In the next 24 hours, I want you to write down who is in your core and who is in your crew. Who are your 12 and who are your three? And I want you to write down their names. And if you are blessed in your life to have names that you can write down, I think you should let them know. I think right now is a time where you send them that text or you send them that phone call and you just say, hey, you're in my crew. You're, you're in my inner circle because I know when things are tough, I can count on you. You're a friend that I have that I can be real with and trust and count on. And I think you should let them know. And if you don't have those names, then I want you to initiate, you initiate and look for people who will be unimpressed by you but treat you as uncommon. Listen, I know that there's something in your soul that tells you that you need community, that you know that you need a core group of people, but more importantly, you know you, know you need this crew. You need a Peter, James, and John. I know for me, that's what I need because there are times when I am a horrible dad or a horrible husband or other people are trying to tear me down and I need somebody who's gonna pick me up Remind me of grace and remind me that I have eternal life through Jesus. And so that is what I want for you. And if you have that, you should thank God for that. But if you don't, you can find it. I promise you that. You just have to start looking in the right place and in the right way. And even though we're not gonna be together for the next few weeks, I know that Collective is the type of church where this can be found. So start looking at your friendships intentionally. Start initiating new friendships that you have. Start getting rid of some other friendships. We're gonna talk about that in a few weeks. And find your inner circle, just like Jesus did. Let's pray. God, thank you um, that when it comes to friendships that, that you just set such a clear example. Um, God, that the, the reality is that you loved everyone, but you weren't best friends with everyone. God, because the truth is, like, we can't do that. Like, that's too much for us to handle. Um, God, we know that we would fail at that. 
But God, I, I, I pray right now that we begin to think about those relationships we have in our life and figure out, are these people my core, my crew, my community? Or honestly, should they be in the crowd? And God, I, I pray this week it can be different. God, that we can start to understand who are the people in our life that we trust, that we can be vulnerable with, that we can have relational closeness with. God, and I pray this week is one of those weeks where we reach out to them and just say thank you because we know how lucky we are. God, for the people who don't have that or um, unclear uh, when it comes to the relationships they have, I pray that this week as they have more time than usual, God, that they can find clarity, that they can begin to dig into their friendships that they do have and try to figure out who can be in my crew who can be my core. God, thank you that ultimately the reason why we, we do this and the reason why we talk about this, the reason why we know what real friendships look like is because of you. God, because of the way that you treat us, because you treat us with honor, we know that we need to have relationships that are full of it. God, because you treat us as uncommon, that's what we should long for in our friendships as well. God, thank you for doing that. Thank you for setting the tone when it comes out. Thank you for loving us. God, we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen.